all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> you like that one? That was a good one. <laughs> Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group. Um, sorry, I got distracted by Jesse howling in yes, the background. <laughs> yes. We locked him out. <laughs> um, uh, yes, join our Facebook discussion group if that's your thing. We've gotten a couple of pieces of feedback that people do want a Discord. Okay. So if anyone wants to make a Discord and then let us know. What is that? We've talked about this before. It's some sort of like gamer chat thing, but it's... Oh, okay. It's a thing that the kids do. And if the kids want to set one us one up for us... Then... Go, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what you drink? And I am having. Well, I know Oscar Blues makes this. What is this? Uh, Wild, Wild Basin. Basin. Like, yeah, by Oscar Blues. It's a cucumber peach seltzer beverage. Okay, I've got the good. Just Lime, I believe, brewed and bottled by Oscar Blues Brewery mm-hmm. LLC, out of Longmont, Colorado. Why did I think they were North Carolina? Maybe they have know. a location they in might. North Carolina. A lot of people do. Mm-hmm. A lot of breweries have multiple locations, one of them being in somewhere in the state. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Sierra Nevada. That's the one I was mm-hmm. thinking of, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is an awesome brewery, by the way. So if you're on the yeah. East Coast and ever get a chance to go there, I highly recommend it. Yeah. From what you described, it was very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Went there for a bachelor party, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, if you are on the West Coast, Godspeed, my <laughs> God. friends. Holy shit, please let us know. If you're on the know. West Coast, you're not going to be there very much longer. Ugh. This is going to be my guess. Please let us know if you need help. Um, and don't try to outrun a goddamn forest fire. Please evacuate. Yeah, like get, out, the, get out way before it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, if you can. I'm, I, I understand. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Yes, there are many factors that can <clears throat> complicate an evacuation. It's it's not just like that people show poor judgment or anything. It's It's circumstances can be really really complicated mm-hmm. my cousin had to who lives near portland uh oregon had to uh leave with six kids mm-hmm. and then all their farm animals mm-hmm. like they literally had to go get pigs and cows yeah i'm glad they were able to i think it's fantastic that they were able to do that um but yeah it's it's really awful and uh climate change is real and if you don't think it is fuck you don't you fucking dare listen to us one more second we hate you no we don't hate you we just think you're really really unintelligent is what we think what i think i shouldn't say misled or misguided that's true fair enough stop listening to whoever is telling you that it's not real because that's just a crock of shit Mm mm-hmm so. Or just take a look at pictures of what the sky looks like on the West Coast, and <laughs> you tell us if there's a problem or not. <laughs> but anyway, oh on to happier things, <laughs> like, a, like a disaster. Well, 
Well, so unlike the United States, which is we 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 can, we could just do a daily podcast on news of the day, and it yeah, would the qualify most of the day. Yes, yeah, so most likely qualify for the show most yeah. of it anyway. Um, so I was gonna say, you know, and I said you can email us all bad things at gmail Well, that is a great place to submit your listener scripts. And that is what we've got today. Yes. A full-blown, and of course, all of the listener scripts are always, like, way better than mine. <laughs> like, double-spaced with pictures and um, full foot yeah, academic um, footnotes. Yeah, if you're curious about wanting to do a script and send one, it, like, it, trust us, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to look like an assignment. <laughs> No. You can just send it to us. Absolutely. We'll, we'll take it. And it comes in many forms. Like, some people just, uh, like, copy information that they find and the sources and then just email it to me. That's helpful because that means mm-hmm. I don't have to look those sources up. I can put together, you know, my own script. Um, it's okay if it's a little short and it needs to be, like, meetened up. I can I can do that. That's not a problem at all. Um, some people just send a topic suggestion and links, a, a link or two. That's helpful. I mean, really, any anything uh, that you want to do, even just suggestions, are always welcome. Again, email is always the... <laughs> it's the most likely that I'll remember your suggestion and give you credit for it. <laughs> if at any point I do cover a disaster and forget to shout you out and you did suggest it, just let us know and we'll correct that. <laughs> Because uh, it, it's not that hard to keep track of. I just get very negligent about it sometimes. So so this script is from our friend Aces California. And Aces, oh. Aces goes by they, them as their pronouns. I so. hope Aces California has since evacuated. Oh, well, but is it like Robert California Could on the be. office where he's not really from California? Could be. <laughs> That was like the, that was one of those characters that you're like, this will never work on The Office, but he was hilarious. It did somehow, yeah. He was so funny. James Spader, man, like, he's so good at- Who'd have thunk it? He is so good at playing creepy, creepy, weird people. Probably a reason for that. He's probably (laughs) probably not really acting. Mm -hmm. All right, so- I would like to read the preface of this, which is... The preface? Yes. Yeah, you know, when I was little, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought that's what it was, too. (laughs) Hello and greetings, David and Rachel. I want to first thank you for the podcast. Of course, I'm reading this because it's all very complimentary. No. <laughs> um, it's it, not a one-star review and, <laughs> no. then, and then they turned in research. No, Aces said that they left us a five-star review on Stitcher, which is very nice. Hey, and if you leave us a one-star review and send us research, we'll take the research. Like, whatever. It, it, but still, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And your research. <laughs> it's been filling a niche hole in my media consumption since Seconds from Disaster went off the air. I think that's the I think it's a TV the plane show. one, right? Yeah. Plane disaster. Mm-hmm. Or, no, no, no. That it was like I a History Channel yeah, show. Yeah, multiple disasters. Yeah. yeah. I also want to thank you for allowing fan scripts. I'm averse to Facebook, so joining the community there is out of the question since I don't really have a Facebook account. And without knowing if you have a Discord community, there it is again. And being a lowly, low-wage worker on the British Railways, sending you this fan script is the best way I can contribute beyond simple platitudes and reviews. Aww. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, working in infrastructure is a in- highly essential service. Yes, so. it is. Writing this script hasn't been a chore either because I absolutely love writing. 
well, by all means. <laughs> yeah, don't make this the only one. Right? If this is something you're interested in, then continue. Uh, uh, with the essays and dissertations being my favorite task in university, even. Wow, okay. Uh, although I haven't done so this seriously since university. The choice of disaster I have provided you a script with is potentially one of the earliest events you've ever covered. Okay. Alongside, yeah, the eruption of Mount Vesuvius and the Green Sahara. So we are going a little more ancient history We're there. prehistoric, huh? Uh, not quite prehistoric, but as such, actual details about the disaster itself are scarce and coarse in nature. That makes sense. But I've done my best to tell the story of the background of the topic up until the disaster and putting together enough information beforehand to allow for some rampant speculating. That's <laughs> always fun. For purposes of the following script, all years, yeah, and this is good to cover, all years will be designated BCE and CE, meaning before the Common Era and Common Era instead of BC and AD. Thank you, Aces. I appreciate that because that's what I use too. I think it's good to keep the sciences and history and other units of measurement sort of free of religious connotation. So, uh, again, thank you for the existence of the podcast. Oh, well, you're welcome. And how you both host it and for allowing fan scripts to be submitted. I very much look forward to potentially writing more scripts. With that, let me introduce you to the subject of this script. The Circus Maximus Collapse. Okay. Have you ever heard of Circus Maximus? I, th I think I've heard the term. I thought it was yeah. a term. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's find out. All right. So the Circus Maximus, <clears throat> meaning greatest circus in Latin. Sure. And in contemporary Italian called Circo Massimo, is not the usual circus you would think of in the modern day with clowns and acrobats. Yeah, I, I, I can't see really ancient history being... <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, I'm picturing uh, I'm picturing something like out of a coliseum where there's like, you know, live, mm -hmm. live swordplay and beheadings and... <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, like an amphitheater or something yeah. maybe? Nope, these were the circuses of ancient Rome. Multi-purpose multi event spaces that were primarily used and similarly similarly you you had problems with significant today I did. i'm having problems with similarly similarly famed for ah chariot races mm, yeah so kind of like a stadium almost of its yeah day. pretty much yeah coliseum yeah the circus maximus was the largest and most important of these event spaces in ancient rome being the template for all other circuses across ancient rome the Circus Maximus was designed to hold the ancient Roman tradition of, I should have looked this up, Ludi. Sure. Ludi. L-U-D-I. How do you think that's I would worth? think Ludi. Ludi. We'll say Ludi and hope that Ludi we don't sound Ludi doesn't right. sound right. It doesn't right. sound right. Ludi being public games connected to religious honoring of Roman gods and goddesses. And then you just say Ludi. Did I say Ludi? <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> But you're like, I agree, Ludi. And then you're like, Ludi. <laughs> you know what it is? It's like Louie Luai. <laughs> yeah. Or um, the song Lodi by Credence Clearwater Revival. Have you ever heard that? I'm sure I've he heard goes, it. Oh, Lord, stuck in Lodi again. Maybe that's why I think it sounds like Lodi. Ludi. Ludi being public games connected to religious honoring of Roman gods and goddesses and later in ancient Rome to honor triumph on the battlefield. The most common Ludi were those honoring Jupiter, Ludi Romani, Ceres, 
Ludi Serialis, and Apollo, Ludi Apollinaris. So those are all Greek gods? Yeah. 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 Apollo, uh, I've I've heard of the Apollo. Or Roman gods. Roman, Roman gods, gods, yeah. Yes. I don't, I, for some reason, I, I always get Greece and Rome well, mixed up. I it, don't know why. I don't know a ton about mythology. I never really studied it. I do have the book Mythos uh, that I can't wait to read, along with the other 20 books on my reading list. That's all about that. But um, I do know, I mean, from what I know, I believe that there's two basic um, ancient mythologies the roman and the greek and then there's like the like this god of the sea is the roman one this god of the sea is the greek one that sort of thing mm-hmm. apollo so is the god of uh war mm. no order i want to say zeus was the god of war i don't fucking know. <laughs> we're just making <laughs> yeah, this up aren't yeah, we we're already speculating yes <laughs> this person went to university aces yeah. went to university they know what they're talking about so these Ludi celebrations began in the Etruscan period. Now I really wish I had pre-read this. <laughs> Get some pronunciation figured out. Etruscan pre- period of ancient Rome all the way back around 900 BCE and were held in ancient Rome throughout its existence, held in annual intervals in the Roman calendar. The only difference to our Gregorian calendar being a different way of calculating leap days. The Gregorian calendar having a leap day every four years whilst... Oh, I love that word. I love the word whilst... Whilst the Roman calendar has a leap day every other year. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Hmm. Ludi consisted of multiple spectacles and events, including, but not limited to, theatrical performances, religious ceremonies, feasts, beast hunts, track and field athletics, as well as gladiatorial combat and chariot racing. And these events could span in duration anywhere from half a day to multiple days of events and in size between small intimate affairs performed to a small group to massive events encompassing the entirety of the event space, such as the beast hunts hosted by the Circus Maximus, which sometimes included specifically placed trees and nature to simulate hunting in the wild. Interesting. That seems like it's a little, the deck's a little stacked against the beasts. I would, I would say so. I never saw Gladiator, the movie. Just to, as oh, an aside. it was it was really good when it came out. Um, but it doesn't hold up, right? Didn't we try to start watching it and it was a little? I was just yeah, I was kind of like eh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure some of the gladi the gladi Gladiator arena scenes probably still. I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen the movie in a long time. When but, did they give like a date that that was supposed to, to have taken place? Not that I remember. Okay, but yeah. there probably was, like. Around this time. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apologies for the cat howling in the background. He's I fine. don't think I don't think it's <laughs> being picked up. I think only we can hear that. Um, Ludi were usually opened with a large procession of participants at the local circus with a flamboyant parade, much like the procession of athletes in modern Olympic opening ceremonies. Fun fact to share with our audience that we learned last night. That an estimated 2 billion people tuned in to watch Muhammad Ali light the torch in Atlanta for the 96 Olympic Games. 2 billion people. Yeah, I still can't. Yeah. That's wild to me. And then uh, 2 billion people also uh, tuned into his last last hurrah fight, which is just... Yeah, which wasn't even a good fight. Yeah, apparently. He got his ass kicked. And that was back when uh, the population of the world was only like four and a half billion. So that Mm -hmm. was like half of people watched that, which is just wild. 
Probably the best-known media representation of a circus and of chariot racing is from the classic film Ben-Hur, which takes place in the circuses of Judea in what is now modern-day Israel. Yeah, you know, I've never seen it either. And they did a remake a couple of years ago that Mm -hmm. that I guess was terrible, and I guess nobody saw that either. People saw the original Ben-Hur. Oh, yeah. Lots of people. It was one of the original epic films. I do know that. That was like the... Gone with the Wind, Ben-Hur, those were like the early, massive, like, epic movies of their day. All I remember about Ben-Hur, because I have not seen the movie, Mm -hmm. but I've seen a TV show that includes a clip from the movie in it. Okay. That TV show being The Sopranos, when um, Joe Pantolino's character, what was his name? Joe Pants. What was his character's name in The Sopranos? uh, I can't remember. Ralph. Ralphie. Yes. Ralphie Cifaretto. Because he goes, his character goes to see Gladiator. And yes. so And so he's off on like some sort of, so he wants to watch all the classic. <laughs> and he's watching Ben-Hur. And I believe the lead actor in that is also the guy that was the head of the NRA for a little while. What's his name? The actor? Charlton Heston. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. He goes, yeah. <laughs> so all I know about that movie is like, could somebody tell Charlton Heston they didn't have flat tops in ancient Rome? <laughs> That's right. I remember that scene. <laughs> That's funny. I remember that. That's right. <laughs> well, it was a 30s version of ancient Rome. I'm sure. I thought were. it was like 50s. It wasn't that early, was it? It wasn't Shit. the 1930s. Let's hey, not. Siri? Let's not do that. Let's stop doing that during the show. What year? What year was Ben Hur filmed? I don't. Th- I don't think it was the 1930s. Well, I, see, Who I have it. Who cares? Can we not do this during the show? <laughs> Not in front of the children. Oh my God. 1959. Yeah. Okay, There's so no... I was completely wrong. <laughs> I was way off. Oh, gosh. And Asus says here in brackets, the scriptwriter doesn't watch any films, <laughs> which, okay, so has nothing further to say about Ben-Hur. But if Rachel and David are familiar with the movie, they can discuss it here. <laughs> That's about Point all taken. we know. <laughs> um... All the scriptwriter is aware of is that the filming of Ben-Hur could possibly class as an all bad things in itself. So I did a, just a very cursory search, and apparently there were rumors of deaths. I've heard that, during too. During filming. Yes. But apparently it's very controversial whether it even happened, and with a lot of people saying no, nobody and, actually and if, died. And if it happened to a couple of extras, they just dug a hole out back and threw them in there. And you know. I think that would be the controversial part. Yeah. If, but, yeah. but I've heard because... Like, that was one of the first movies that had, like, sweeping, like, action sequences. Yes. So I, kn- I, I just yes. know it because of that. It mm-hmm. kind of ushered in, in a certain extent, the action genre. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I know that the uh, sort of the tag of it or whatever was, like, 3,000 people appear in the film because of the extras and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, I guess for the... F- 1959, not 1930s, 1959, it was um, really, really epic in scope. That was also another era of, like, classic epic films because Cleopatra and Mark Anthony, the Cleopatra, the uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton film came out very soon after that. that. That, I believe, that was... By far, like, the most expensive movie made at its time. I think that's correct. Yeah, I think that's true. All right, so you may currently locate the ruins of the Circus Maximus in the Ripa district of Rome, directly southwest of the Colosseum, 
with its closest public transportation being the Circo Massimo Metro Stop, bearing the Italian name of the Circus Maximus, and the Roma Porta San Paolo Railroad Station. I love that Aces put, like, the public transport stops. If you work on the railways, I imagine that that's Probably knows a them. point of interest. Yeah. Yes. You would find that little remains of the structure itself apart for some areas of more recent excavation. However, in the location of the Circus Maximus now stands a public park that still hosts events such as celebrations when Italy won the 2006 FIFA World Cup. Uh, did they? Also... Yeah, I think it was. I, I have I'd... no idea. So. They beat France. I know France lost the 06 World Cup, but I wasn't. Okay. I didn't remember that Italy was the one that won it. But I guess they were. Okay. I think that might be right because I think Fabio mentioned that on Top Chef. <laughs> he was from Italy. <laughs> Historically, the Circus Maximus was located in the district of Regio 6. Circus Maximus, again named after the circus itself, signifying its influence and importance in Rome throughout the city's history. Within the seven hills of Rome in which ancient Rome was built upon, being the Palatine... Palatine? Isn't that an emperor from... Uh... Palpatine. Oh, well. Close, though. Palatine. That might have been where he got it from, I'm <laughs> sure. Maybe. Capitoline, Quirinal, Viminal, Esquiline, Celian, and Aventine. I feel like because I'm saying that in such an American way, those all sounded like medications. But... The Circus Maximus sits in the valley of the two most southern, the Avatine and Palatine Hills. The Palatine Hill is actually the hill that the first settlement to become Rome was settled on. The valley that the Circus Maximus was built on was named the Vallis Mercia, or Valley of Mercia, named after the Roman goddess of sloth and laziness, Mercia. They had, they had a goddess for that, too? I guess so. All right. All right. There's a goddess they just had it, just had it, yeah. This goddess was related to the goddess Jupiter, who the Ludi Romani honored at the Circus Maximus. The structure of the Circus Maximus was designed as a lengthy, stretched-out U-shape, measuring a length of 621 meters, or 2,037 feet, and a width of 118 meters, or 387 feet. That's, That's pretty huge. fucking big. Yeah. Because oh I know that it's ridiculous to, like, equate everything to American football fields. But an American football field is 100 yards long, right? right. Not including the end zones, but so that's that's 300 feet. That's mm -hmm. how wide it was. And mm -hmm. then it was hugely long, over 2,000 feet. That's like not quite half a mile. It's about 700 yards. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, 621 meters, so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Central to the Circus Maximus, was the track itself split in the middle by the original stream of the Vallis Mercia, and beyond the track were three tiers of seating known as Cavea, with its lowest third located closest to the action, known as the Yuma Cavia, and specifically segregated for those of highest status in ancient Rome to sit away from the commoners who took up the upper two tiers. So it's like the, the uh, bench seats, right? Mm-hmm. Along, or sideline seats. Bench seats? Side, okay. Doesn't matter. Along the main straights of the Circus Maximus, the central seats of the front row were specifically reserved for Roman senators, whilst the remaining seats in the first tier were for equites, a class of citizen of their own formed of cal cavalry men of the Roman army. 
Uh, these seats for the, the higher status spectators were made completely of stone, whilst the upper tiers were made of wood and placed on metal grates. Historically, the capacity of the circus was contemporarily described as 150,000. Wow. With a larger capacity of 250,000 when taking into account public viewpoints for the Circus Maximus from the neighboring Avatine and Palatine Hills. That's like what are like a giant contemporary like stadium here in the States is like 100,000, right? Uh, there are several college football stadiums that hold that many, but that's that's it. I know like, soccer stadiums are football. worldwide. Yeah, they hold much larger audiences. I don't but... think any of them hold much more than a hundred thousand, though. Yeah, I might that's be wrong. Like but a max capacity. I think so, but I could be wrong about that. Well, in but... modern times, you have to accommodate parking, which makes it <laughs> very <true>. tricky <laughs> to really, you know, overdo it. But meanwhile, located on the second tier was the Pulvinar. A structure much like a VIP box located in the middle of the northern stretch of stands directly under the shadow of the Palatine Hills. These were specifically for the Roman emperors to spectate the races, separated in an entire class of seating of their own. Surrounding the outside of the Circus Maximus were workshops and retail, adorned with dwellings, and located around the main entrances, exits, and stairwells for the seating. These mixed-use dwellings were built from timber and wood frames. The colonnades of the Circus Maximus, being a row of evenly spaced columns supporting a cover, ran the entire length of the circus, but it is disputed as to if they began on the walkways above the third tier of seating, if the colonnades acted as further support by beginning from the ground and running to the very top of the circus, or if the third tier of seating was located inside the colonnade themselves, providing a roof to the spectators on the highest tier of seating. Okay. So it's just a matter of like, was it, well, if they, if all they have is uh, ruins now, then it's hard to reconstruct like yeah. what exactly did it look like before. So the first recorded iteration of the Circus Maximus mainly was laid on agricultural land with nothing but a set of turning posts. The hills surrounded, surrounding the track for viewing the event and small shrines and sacred spots, as well as a pair of bridges at either end of the straits across the stream running down the Vallis Mercia, creating a divided barrier that will be a constant feature of all later versions of the Circus Maximus. I guess that's true. Like You don't think about like when they were building stuff thousands of years ago like nobody was submitting plans to the um to, to the permitting office or anything so it, it's like they could build onto it or change it or morph it and it was just kind of whatever they felt like doing i would imagine up to I a certain don't point know. i don't know i i think that uh permits and such were a later invention. <laughs> I don't think they were. Maybe. I mean, the, the, I guess. I guess I don't know for sure. I'm sure you had to submit a plan to somebody. Uh, whether Maybe. whether they gave you a permit or not, I don't know. Maybe. The first structures to be built around the Circus Maximus was done by Lucius Tarquinius, Tarquinius Priscus around 600 BCE. These first structures were wooden bleachers running across the northern Palatine hillside of the track populated by, by the general public, or plebeians, or plebes, as the ancient Romans and modern-day Oxford-taught posh buggers <laughs> called them. Actually have them. Yes, I literally read that. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was all aces. <laughs> Proper seats for the general public were added to the circuit later by Lucius 
Tarquinius <laughs> Briscus's grandson. Lu- Lucius, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. L-U-S-C-I-U-S. Yeah, I think it's Lucius. Lucius. Yeah, you're probably right. Tarquinius Priscus. Priscus? I can't see that. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, his grandson, (laughs) Tarquinius Superbus. Chariot and horse racing was evidently becoming a popular spectator sport in this area of the Etruscan period, evident in Etruscan friezes and tomb paintings depicting the holding of races as a spectator sport. During the Roman Republic, spanning a period between 509 BCE and 27 BCE, the ancient Roman equivalent to city councillors, the Aediles, sure. A is A E, pronounced pronounced A or E. Aerials. A E. Oh, A E. Okay. Aediles. Yeah. Aediles, yeah. maybe. <laughs> There's like six ways to pronounce everything. Would organize Ludi or Lodi. Ludi. <laughs> not Lodi, (laughs) as part of their obligations to the city of Rome alongside the maintenance of buildings and infrastructure. Hosting Ludi as part of their... Here we go. Aediles. Aediles. Duties. Their duties. (laughs) Were a win-win situation as they both benefited the entertaining of the general public and honoring their gods, as well as demonstrating the public clout and popularity in their own vain attempts to reach higher offices in the Roman Republic. (laughs) Nothing's really changed, has it? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Due to the Circus Maximus's common use during this period for the many ludi organized by the the aerials, the aedals, the aediles, the growth in this period seen by the Circus Maximus was exponential. Permanent starting stalls were first added for chariots in 329 BCE and later in 204 BCE. A road was added along the south side of the circuit along Avatine Hill running from the Forum Borarium on the shores of the River Tiber to the Temple of Venus Obsquens, which allowed for new bleachers to be located on the southern side of the Circus Maximus. I should have, like, studied Latin <laughs> prior to this. Did you ever take Latin? I never... No. We are, right. a La- <clears throat> we are a Latin-based language, though. We are a Latin-based language. Uh, in the one... <laughs> we. English. English, <laughs> yes. Well, it's pretty clear we're speaking English right now. In the 190s BC, higher quality stone seating was added to the Circus Maximus, but only for the exclusive use of Roman senators to separate them from the plebeians. Growth was at such an extensive rate for the Circus Maximus and its ludi that towards the end of the Roman Republic, ludi was frequently held on 57 days of the year, whilst the remaining days were split between use by charioteers and jockeys for practice and days where the grounds were opened as a public marketplace of reputably disreputable nature, with not only more savory retail and food stalls, but also debauchery such as prostitution, jugglers, fortune tellers, swindlers, and street artists. Yeah, just like a festival today. <laughs> it it <laughs> so, kind of sounds like a fairgrounds almost. Yeah, like it, sounds, yeah. like a, sounds like a state fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, which, I, which thankfully we're not having that this year. Oh, you're right. That would have been next month. Yeah. I don't think I. I have not heard I word one. I don't think it's going on. No, we're in. We're not in a phase where that could even remotely happen. Yeah, thankfully, because it shouldn't. 
Well, I mean, we could have been, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's an, another thing entirely. However, under the Roman Empire... Uh, oh, sorry, I think I've skipped a part here. Yes, okay. It was during the back end of this period, nearing the end of the Roman Republic, that Julius Caesar, there's a name I recognize, first upgraded the Circus Maximus to contain multiple, multiple tiers of seating around 50 BCE. These tiers of seats span the entire length of the Circus Maximus, apart from a semicircular section in the southeast end of the circus, where a new trackside entrance for those participating in the Ludi could enter from was, oh, where the Ludi could enter from, sorry, was constructed. From here, the U-shaped design of the Circus Maximus was solidified and became the standard for other circuses in ancient Rome. However, under the Roman Empire, the monopoly the Circus Maximus had on event hosting dwindled, with further magnificent event spaces being built, such as the Colosseum. Hmm. In around uh, 70 to 72 CE by Emperor Vespasian, holding a capacity of 50,000, so smaller in capacity to the Circus Maximus, but it was designed to hold the city's gladiatorial, gladiatorial, gladiatorial fights, as well as smaller scale beast hunts. And shortly after, in 80 CE, Emperor Domitianus, Domitianus, and that guy, built the Stadium of Domitian. Domitian. <laughs> Should I take over at some point? Why? You would stumble <laughs> over the exact same words. I don't know. I'm not reading them. <laughs> They're not English. It's a little tricky. Okay. Cut me some slack here. All right. Um, also known as the Circus Agonalis, holding the same structure as the Circus Maximus, but with a smaller capacity of just 30,000, designed to host the track and field athletics in ancient Rome. This left the Circus Maximus's only use, uses to be for chariot racing, larger scale beast hunts, and looty processions. So kind of like a large, uh, large venue, large event venue. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't uh, doing, they weren't holding any of the smaller events because there were other uh, circuses that were sufficient for that. So during the existence of the Circus Maximus, multiple fires and floods would occur in the grounds, which will be elaborated on deeper later. Fires such as one of the earliest recorded in 31 BCE under the reign of Augustus Caesar frequently destroyed that iteration of the circus, with the fire in 31 BCE destroying the wooden ble bleachers located in the Circus Maximus. That's true. A lot of this is built out of wood. So I'm Most sure it's like of it tinder, is. Yeah. yeah. The Circus Maximus was rebuilt under the same specifications and designs as Julius Caesar's iteration of the Circus Maximus. It was after this reconstruction that Dionysius of Halicarnassus, Halicarnassus, a Greek historian in his days, described the Circus Maximus as, quote, one of the most beautiful and admirable structures in Rome, end quote, with, quote, entrances and ascents for the spectators at every shop so that the countless thousands of people may enter and depart without inconvenience, end quote. Dionysius also emphasized the continuous sweep of seating stands along the semicircular southeast end of the circus, which in 81 CE would sport a brand new triple arch honoring Titus and the concurring of Judea replacing the existing former entrance into the track in that semicircular end. 
A further fire would strike in 92 CE, resulting in Emperor Trajan, born as Marcus Ulpius Trianus, rebuilding the Circus Maximus again. However, entirely out of stone this time. Now, that sounds like a good plan after it's caught fire multiple times. Somebody learned their lesson. Right? It was this version of the Circus Maximus that the podcast's old friend, yes, Pliny the Younger, wrote about. Uh, They mention Pliny the Elder a lot on uh, Sawbones. Now, cast your minds back to the episode on the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Yes, we did. I, rem- I vaguely remember this. Pliny the Younger was one of the few who witnessed the eruption and destruction of Pompeii and Herculaneum in the pyroclastic flows of Mount Vesuvius and had written an account of the events. I actually kind of vaguely remember that. Do you mm-hmm. remember that a little yes. bit? The eruption. Because he's of- one of the few witnesses that yes. there were. Who actually wrote about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, er survived it, too. Yes, that's right, (laughs) because, and Aces mentions this, the eruption of Mount Vesuvius actually killed his uncle, Pliny the Elder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Now, Pliny the Younger had experienced the Circus Maximus under the reign of Trajan and described its construction as to, quote, rival the beauty of temples, end quote, presumed to include the temples and shrines inside of the Circus Maximus itself, as well as the pulvinar for the Roman emperors, which continued through to this iteration of the Circus Maximus. It was Trajan's design which the Circus Maximus maintained between this period and the eventual fall of Rome in 476 CE. Um, I guess, like, these descriptions are helpful because there there aren't plans or photos or anything else, so these descriptions really are all that's left, much like the eruption of Vesuvius. Mm -hmm. uh, So it's apparently gorgeous. (laughs) Everybody really loved it and thought it was beautiful. All right, so this is a... Uh, historical descriptions of the disasters of the Circus Maximus. Many bad things. The Great Fire of Rome. <laughs> so outside of the disaster we will f- be focusing on today, and all the other disasters that have struck the Circus Maximus, chariot racing itself was an extremely dangerous sport to both compete in and to support. Charioteers were often met with frequent injuries and often death, as these men, often slaves or freedmen, were thrown from chariots and crashes, tangled in their own reins, and dragged to death or trampled upon by other charioteers. Ooh. I kind of think of it as like, like uh, car racing is one of the more dangerous sports, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. And But think of that, except in an open vehicle being pulled by horses. So, yeah, I can see that being really damn dangerous. However, chariot racing was still far less violent and deadly than the other popular sport of the time. Gladiatorial combat. Charioteer, charioteer, yeah, charioteer supporting was equally extreme, with fierce passions among supporters for the four main teams that represented the charioteers being red, white, blue, and green teams. These supporters held deep fanatical obsession with their respective teams to a level sometimes surpassing even football hooligans. So there's just a, a rowdy support, rowdy fans, rowdy crowd. Um, that reminds me a little bit of, uh, there was a, did you ever do the Where's Waldo books as a kid? Mm-mm. Yeah. There, I, I aged out of them, I think, by the time they came along. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there, I'm Look, pretty I know sure, of them. Yeah, there was uh, at least one book where 
or maybe this was all the books. Anyway, Waldo traveled through time and you had to find him in all these like comical historical scenes. And I'm pretty sure one was the chariot races. And I'm pretty sure they mentioned those teams. Hmm. Like it was semi-historical. Like he was using historical facts, you know. Um, one story, one story recalled by Pliny the Elder in 70 BCE, remember the uncle of the Pompeii guy, Pliny the Younger, and who died in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, tells the story of a funeral for a red team charioteer in which a red team supporter threw themselves onto the funeral pyre of the charioteer, supposedly in okay. despair. Jeez. Yeah, that's taking it to another level. A little bit. However, in an absolutely stingingly harsh rebuttal by the white team, they brushed it off and mocked the act as, quote, no more than the act of someone overcome by the fumes of burning incense, end quote. So not not a whole lot of sympathy, I guess. Well, this is 2,000 years ago. I don't, yes. I, I'm not sure, not sure if sympathy was even a word back then mm. or a feeling. A little bit of a brutal time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. In regards to the structure of the Circus Maximus, when looking at the long history of disasters and all bad things related to the structure and its events... The disasters began early in the Circus Maximus timeline, with frequent floods caused by the stream running down Vallis Mercia being first recorded affecting the circus in 363 BCE before even the addition of starting gates. The starting gates provided a bit of protection from further flooding, mainly from the nearby Tiber River running through Rome. But flooding was not fully prevented until drains were added to the structure early in its life. I feel like they're just... Like, every time there's a problem, they're like, okay, well, we need to adapt. (laughs) Fire was also a major danger and a frequent event in the Circus Maximus, with fires occurring occurring in 31 BCE, 36 CE, 64 CE, and 92 CE. Damn. In 31 BCE, the first recorded fire to occur in the Circus Maximus, the wooden bleachers at the circus were damaged by a fire either during or after their construction. Cassius Dio stated in his time, later in the existence of ancient Rome, that the fire was started by freedmen who rioted against a tax raise aimed at them, to which Cassius Dio explained, quote, For all of them who were in Italy and possessed property worth 200,000 sesterces or more had been ordered to contribute an eighth of it, end quote, roughly meaning those freedmen who owed property more than 200,000 sesterces, which is the currency of ancient Rome, an eighth had to be paid in tax by those freedmen. That is not that bad. I'm trying to think of like our marginal tax rates. A tenth is the lowest tax rate here in the States. So, but, but, in the history of taxation, which I'm sure you want me to get in great depth of, um, uh, that would be considered a high level. I get that. So, for reference, sesterces were a unit of currency equal to one quarter of a denarius. I've heard of a denarius before. They mentioned that in the Bible. A denarius workout is worked out by its content of silver at approximately $3.62 or £2.76. pence. I think that's how it's... In current amounts. Uh, thus, one sesterces is equal to a quarter of these, or about 91 cents or 69 pence. It's like a buck. This means that a freedman who owned a property at minimum worth at least, so minimum worth 200,000 sesterces, so equal to about $182,000 or 138, roughly, 
£1,000 had to pay a modern equivalent of $22,750 or £17,350 in tax. It was this that Cassius Dio proclaimed caused the freedmen to riot. That's still not a bad tax. Sorry. But it sounds like one of those things, I'll tell you, like the clients uh, who bitch the most about paying their taxes are the one who have the most. I'll tell you that. Of course. <laughs> yeah. The fire, which started at the Circus Maximus, resulted in the near total destruction of the structure, whilst the flames also claimed the nearby Temple of Ceres. The construction after this fire would have been undertaken by Augustus Caesar, following the lines of Julius Caesar's plans for the structure previously. So it sounds like it just kept burning and they just kept rebuilding it. A further fire in 36 CE, suspected to have begun inside of a basket weaver's workshop, ooh, boy, underneath the stands on the Aventine side of the Circus Maximus, the southern side, resulted in damage to multiple stalls along that stretch, but was not the worst fire to have originated in the Circus Maximus by a long shot. That belongs to the next fire in Circus Maximus history and and a section the scriptwriter is calling Mini Bad Things. In 64 CE, under the rule of Emperor Nero, a fire broke out at the Circus Maximus at the semicircular end of the property, which swept through stands and stalls alike, and eventually broke out of the grounds of the Circus Maximus and resulted in the Great Fire of Rome in 64 CE. This was the fire that spawned the infamous legend of Emperor Nero playing his fiddle whilst Rome burned, although later this was reckoned just to be a fruitful way of saying that he stood by and did nothing while Rome burned, which either way still makes Nero a dick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then, as we will learn soon, Nero may have already earned himself the moniker of a dick before the fire even began. I have heard that's I was like, that was the great fire of rome that like the that's a name i've heard too emperor nero yes uh uh-huh and i i've heard of nero and his fiddle Mm -hmm. yeah the fire which began the great fire of 64 ce began inside of a store located in the northern quadrant of the semicircular end between the palatine and salian hills to the east of the stadium the fire spread north of the circus maximus taking a full six days to burn and spread all the way to the northern Esquiline Hill to the stadium's northeast. And I'm taking a real quick look here. Oh, okay. So here's the seven hills of Rome that he was talking, or that, okay. that they that they were talking about. Coronal Hills, Vimnal Hill, Esquiline Hill, Salian Hill, Palatine, Aventine, Capitoline. Okay. And then this is what the circus is thought to have looked like. Okay. It's just like a really long, you know what it kind of reminds me of the Hajj, uh, when we did the Hajj stampede. This, this, this reminds, this reminds me of, uh, a horse racing track. Yes. You're right. That it is yeah. that long, mm-hmm. oblong state, uh, uh shape. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Which, oh, which if they the were stadium. having, which if they were having chariot races. That makes sense. Makes sense that, I mean, cause it's. It would make sense that even modern day facilities for horse racing, because they have to be, I mean, they have to be extremely long because horses can run really fast, really far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what that, that looks like. Uh, it looks like if the Coliseum were just really, really, really long. Long, yeah. It, but it also looks like, a, what am I trying to say? Not Churchill Downs. Um that's where the, they run the, the Kentucky Derby. It's Churchill Downs. Is it? Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. Is I was thinking that, yes. Yeah. I was thinking it was the one in... Because the other World Cup... or uh, Belmont? 
That's I think that's what I was okay. trying to say. I was mm-hmm. thinking of that. But yeah, I think that does look like Churchill Downs. You're right, except it's hard to tell from this picture because this is just like a rendering of what they thought it looked like. Sure. Um, whether there was grass on the ground or if it was somehow paved, I don't know. Probably not paved. It could have been like cobblestone or... Or mud, or not mud, but dirt, dirt like packed dirt. dirt. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, they, they were known for their engineering, so... Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So the fire, the Great Fire of Rome, was only stopped by the mass destruction of buildings, creating a fire break, which we see nowadays used to slow raging forest fires. Ugh. Yeah, which are going on en masse right now. However, this was not the end of the fire, as from the embers of the previous fires, flames reignited and this time continued to burn Rome for three more days. At the end of the fire proper, two-thirds of Rome was destroyed. No wonder it's called a great fire. Man. (laughs) This is pretty funny. Now, to get back to Biggest Dickus himself, (laughs) Emperor Nero. Many at the time, and contemporarily, placed the blame of the fire fully on Emperor Nero, not for doing nothing to stop the fire, but for ordering the fires to start himself. It was heavily speculated that Nero had his underlings set fire to the Circus Maximus purposefully to persecute the newest hot religion in Rome at the time. Any guesses of what the new I'm religion gonna, I was catching I'm on in 64? Christianity. That is exactly right. Ding, ding, ding. Ironically... Because the, the, the Romans had a hand in killing Jesus, didn't they? So Pontius Pilate... This is according to the New Testament, right? So Pontius Pilate, uh, the story goes, could have stopped the the crucifixion of Jesus, but he uh, decided instead to leave it up to the crowds uh, who said, no, crucify him. Uh, <laughs> Let's leave it up to the bloodthirsty crowds. What do you think, everybody? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I can see him doing the the thumbs down, the, th- the thumb like he's got you. Like, oh, you're dead, Jesus! But nobody's gonna remember it. You won't be uh, remembered at all. This is like flash. Thanks, thanks Romans. <laughs> thanks Romans. Fucking dickheads. <laughs> this is like flashing me back to some cantata we sang in like for Easter. Um, in church and there was a song called crucify him and it literally went crucify him we'll take barabbas if one must go free then crucify jesus on that tree religion is really fucked up like it's just really (laughs) it is a morbid ass song to be singing Yes. Yeah, you can't like swear or like. <laughs> but you can sing about, you can about murder <laughs> and you can read about it. And you yeah. can read about incest and like what the fuck? <laughs> You're not wrong. Jesus Christ. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please come save us. Like if that's what you're supposed to do, I think I think I think the time is right. I think the time is now. If it doesn't happen this year, it isn't ever fucking happening. That's for goddamn sure. That's for goddamn sure. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, All so right. once 2020 is over and he hasn't come back to Earth, it's not happening. Oh, Sorry. my God. Oh, boy. So, ironically and potentially uh, some evidence to the profile of the crime, Emperor Nero was uniquely passionate for chariot racing in a culture where the enjoyment of chariot racing 
was seen as petty, brutish, and non-fitting for emperors and the upper class. So it was like the plebe sport, I guess. It was the passion for chariot racing that initially endeared Emperor Nero to the public, and oh boy, did it age well for him. <laughs> that that sounds kind of like uh, a modern day, like what people thought of Trump initially, like, oh, he's one of us. Weirdly, <laughs> people thought that. I mean, if you're a, a fraud-ridden millionaire, yeah, he's yeah, one of you. Yeah, there you go. But if you're <laughs> anything other than that, then he's, then he's not. But that's the impression I got that some people of course, thought, like, because he's that, an outsider. He's a, of course, because that's how he marketed himself. And, I mean... Oh, I, man, yeah, I know. I'm, before I make a generalization. Yeah, we won't go into I'm it. I'm not going to do it. Okay. The final fire to occur at the Circus Maximus before the time of the main disaster we are talking about. Yeah, this isn't even like the, the main disaster. This isn't even the worst one. Occurred in 92 CE when fire struck the Circus Maximus during the rule of Emperor Dom- Domitian whilst he watched from the multi-story palace located on the Palatine Hill that was built for him to watch the events at the Circus Maximus from. So he not only had like a... Like his own box. He had his own structure that was just built high enough so he could look down into it. Of course he did. <laughs> and this was called the Flavian or Flavian maybe Palace, whose ruins still loom over the site of the Circus Maximus today. I actually really kinda wanna I'm I mean curious to see this. To go to Rome would be amazing. Yes, we will would. one day. But yeah, to see the this these ruins would be amazing. Alright, so now we're moving on to the main disaster. After the fire at the Circus Maximus in 92 CE, the next chapter in the tumultuous existence of the circus is the one we are mainly focusing on in this episode. In 140 CE, a section of seating at the Circus Maximus collapsed during an event, killing approximately... Any guesses? I'm going to guess maybe like a thousand? You are really damn close. 1,112 people. Yeah, because I can't imagine there's... I, I don't know. Finally, I didn't Samsonite it. You did not. You almost nailed it. Yeah, you were very close. The disaster happened during the rule of Emperor Antonius Pius, who had only been ruling Rome for two years when the disaster happened. Uh, So he took up the throne in 138 CE, and his reign lasted until 161 CE. The date of the incident is most likely to have occurred on either the 12th or 13th of July, Due to the circus hosting events for the Ludi Apollinaris, honoring the god Apollo at the time. I guess that makes sense. They can kind of nail it down because of what event was going on when. The location of the celebrations in the Circus Maximus suggests the event being hosted at the time of the disaster were the chariot races, well beloved, to Rome. At the time, it had been approaching 50 years since the design of the Circus Maximus settled with the ver- this version under Emperor Trajan in 92 CE. The version of the circus consisted, this version of the circus consisted of three tiers of seats with the highest tier, the one involved in the collapse during the Ludi Apollinaris. Opposed to the lower two tiers, which were at this point were stone, the third tier was still designed out of wood and still only for commoners. Jeez, once again, I swear like so many of these disasters, one of the things they have in common is like Oh, this is for the average people, so we don't mm-hmm. need to be too careful. Yeah. You know? It's so... However, this tier of seating did have one attractive aspect. It was covered. Okay, I see that. 
This type of seating was known as partecta and was either designed with wood or cloth. This particular protecta was supported by the circus's colonnade, the row of columns running along the entire top of the circus, which had been introduced to the circus by the Caesars. The wooden stands fit in between the colonnade and an erected back wall for the stands were not supported by pillars or scaffolding, instead just by the triangular shape created by the running of wood struts from the floor below to the back wall of the Circus Maximus. Okay, so it was like, there was like, it was like triangulated. Um, sure. And it was supported that way, but it wasn't supported by columns, which the rest of it was, so... During the Ludi Apollinaris, celebrations taking place at the time of the disaster, the seating tiers designated for the plebeians of society were uncomfortably crowded. I'm guessing they didn't have, like, capacities back then. Probably not. Obviously, there's no fire marshal. Yeah. Nope. To point out, like, there's too many people over here. You're right. Uh, so these seats were uncomfortably crowded as the seats became packed with Romans coming to see the events with no crowd controls, as was standard for the circuses. With the third tier already crowded, the disaster happened. Some reports suggest the disaster began when one of the columns gave way, potentially referring to one of the colonnade columns holding up the protecta. Some otherwise suggest that the unsupported wooden structure that were, that were the highest tier of stands collapsed under the immense weight of the crowd. Either way, the wooden structure below the spectators collapsed, and with the crowd packing the seats in the tier, if the disaster hadn't been precipitated by a crush of people, then a crush was the direct result of the collapse of these stands. Hmm. So that's just like... That's why capacity is so important. Of course, because yes. It's, uh, uh, capacity is determined, obviously, like in buildings based on like how people, the science of how can people get out, mm-hmm. but also load bearing, like yes. how much, what's the capacity, even elevators, at least here in the States, have to have a capacity listed. So, man. Contemporary writers cite overcrowding as the primary cause of the disaster, which seems the most likely and logical answer. As previously mentioned, the supporters of chariot racing were often wily, enthused, and very physical. So again, the sort of soccer hooligan kind of narrative, right? The lack of crowd control in the upper tiers of the circus most likely led to more spectators on the stands than the structure could handle, and with nothing supporting the stands other than those wood struts... It is very likely that the celebrations of the spectators broke the struts or even the column of the colonnade if that version of events is to be believed. The immediate aftermath of the incident is unknown, as very few, if any, recording, uh, recordings or recounts of this period have been discovered. To quote a Reddit user, oh, I love it, uh, Bruce Ware Allen, finding recounts of a specific event in ancient Rome is like, quote, As if your only written records for events in 2018 were a mangled copy of Vanity Fair, a page of the Financial Times, and the diary of a low-level bureaucrat in a secondary city. (laughs) That's a good quote. I like that. Very good, Bruce Ware Allen. However, we can extrapolate some aspects from what is known about how ancient Rome responded to other disasters. (laughs) Not well is what I'm guessing, but I don't know. Such as the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, the podcast is previously explored in episode 56. Ho, 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 look at that citation even. Nice. This is episode 168, so we've come a long oh my way, God. baby. 
Upon the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, the citizens of Pompeii and Herculaneum began attempts to help in the evacuation of the towns. There were no organized emergency servers apart from the evidence of a fire brigade existing in ancient Rome. Oh, that's interesting. And as such, much of the rescue attempts were most likely to have come from the citizens of Rome themselves, especially those inside the Circus Maximus, summoning up images of the Liverpool supporters rescuing their fellow fans from the crush at Hillsborough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what this is reminding me of. Yeah, very, very similar, huh? Especially because it's like the plebeian areas, mm-hmm. like the areas, yeah, that aren't as um, well controlled or as like for the posh people. It is unknown if any monetary aid was provided after the disaster by Emperor Antonius Pius, as toward the latter years of ancient Rome, the emperors had to deal with their finances with extreme caution, as the imperial treasury had dried up. (laughs) But unlike the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, which resulted in the abandonment of Pompeii and Herculaneum, Rome did not abandon the Circus Maximus due to the disaster occurring in the center of Rome itself, as opposed to Pompeii and Herculaneum, which would have needed to take the effort and time needed to travel to Rome and request the assistance when they could just found a new port city. The Circus Maximus was once again repaired and rebuilt the structure to its previous grand scale. Jeez, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The collapse of the Circus Maximus in 140 CE still stands as the second deadliest incident to occur at a stadium. That's interesting. With the first being another disaster in ancient Rome, the collapse of the Fidene Amphitheater north of Rome in 27 CE, nearly 120 uh, years prior. Jeez, listen to this, which resulted in approximately 20,000 deaths. Holy shit. Wow. We have to add that to the list. I was going to say, if, if it's not on there already. Man, the cause of that collapse was the shoddy workmanship and construction of a temporary coliseum-like amphitheater to host gladiatorial battles after a long period out of it being outlawed, combined with immense overcrowding, causing much the same scenarios shown in the episode with the Circus Maximus. So I guess it was just very, very similar. That You know what? That's probably why Aces chose to do this instead of that one, because it was like... Um, it was even farther back and basically just came down to, I don't know, it was ancient Rome. Which one? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The third deadliest incident to occur at a stadium actually occurs 1,870 years after the collapse of the Circus Maximus. Oh, this one we'll have to add. In 1918, it was the Happy Valley Re- Happy Valley Race Course, a horse track racing in Hong Kong, uh, a horse racing track in Hong Kong experienced a fire that resulted in 614 deaths. Jesus. Wow. Con- cementing it as the third deadliest as the next disaster down. The collapse of wooden stands at a bullring in Colombia in 1980 resulted in an estimated 200 deaths. So basically, after those, it just plummets to a much lower death toll. Still terrible, but lower. So after the conversion of the Roman Empire toward Christianity, the hosting of Ludi celebrations fell out of popularity, with the Circus Maximus beginning to find less and less use of, as an event ground. That makes sense. They're no longer celebrating the... Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Roman gods. <laughs> thanks, Jesus. Uh, the last recorded beast hunt at the Circus Maximus was in 523 CE, whilst the last chariot races were recorded later in 549 CE. Advancing far along the timeline of human history, in the 6th century, the Circus Maximus was quarried for building materials. Oh, 
And further, during the 12th century, the Vallis Mercia, Mercia, sorry, passed hands to families, to churches, and eventually to monasteries, including in 1145 the Frangipani family who erected a tower in the center of the track towards the Arch of Titus end of the structure, which itself was converted into a fortress. Beyond the structure, the grounds were transformed into a garden for a monastery, which ended up owning the Vallis Mercia. That's so interesting that, like, back in the day, they were like, look, we have no use for historical structures. We just need the stone. So they, they dismantled it so they would have the stone. That's, wow. Well, it's a pretty big it, resource. It is. It's a very practical thing, so... Stone was removed for use in other construction. The marble and travertine seats of the first two tiers were burned for their lime, a form of concrete. However, with all the stripping of stone from the Circus Maximus, the building continued to retain its tiered structure until the 16th century. In 1852, the land was taken over by the Anglo-Italian Gas Society, who built a large gas works on the ground of the Circus Maximus, despite protests from historians and archaeologists. The gasworks only vacated the spot in 1910. If you were to visit the site of the Circus Maximus today, you would only find a long stretch of land, a ridge running down the center where the original dividing line existed, formed out of the stream at the center of the Vallis Mercia. Hills running from the grassland to the main roads indicate where the ruins of the tiered seating stand. If you're wondering what happened to the tiered structure and where it went, you need look no further than six meters underground, as centuries of frequent flooding had resulted in six meters of sediment and dirt packed above the ruins of the Circus Maximus. Wow. So they're buried. We know this, as by the time of John H. Humphrey's book, which was used for a metric ton of information in this episode. So the book's title is Roman Circuses, Arenas for Chariot Racing. And it was written in 1986. Excavations on the Circus Maximus southeastern segments segment at the semicircular end of the structure had revealed the ruins of the structure up to the first two tiers of seating as well as the entrances and stairwells to the upper tiers where really? ancient yeah where ancient romans once shopped for food and services isn't that interesting since then further excavations have revealed even more of this semicircular end but it still only accounts for less than half of the seating in that semicircular mm. end alone and to end with something more positive, the grounds of the Circus Maximus have still been used to host concerts and meetings, now as one of Rome's public parks. Okay. <laughs> Although, depending on if this episode is being run in 2020, and it is, it is most likely, it, it most likely has been at least a year since an event was held. I, okay, so sure. public parks are being closed down. Previous concerts held on the grounds include those of Genesis and the Rolling Stones. Okay. <laughs> Whilst all of Illibri- talk about a double bill. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't. I, I don't. I no, think, I, I don't I think, think they, they played together. Separate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whilst all of that's a weird coupling, like Genesis, Genesis and, the and the Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones. That's not quite up here. And then we're talking the Phil Collins Genesis. Yeah. Right. What Genesis are we talking about? <laughs> Good question. Whilst all of Italy celebrated at Circus Maximus after Italy's tension-filled win of the there we go the 2006 FIFA World Cup, bearing France and beating France in a 5-3 penalty shootout. Hmm. So the caliber of celebrations at the Circus Maximus from the days of the Ludi have not fully disappeared. And that, our dear listeners, was the story of the Circus Maximus, its tumultuous history, 
and it's 140 CE collapse. Well done, Aces. Man. Excellent story. Well, except for the death part. Well, yes. Per usual, um, our listener researches more thorough, uses things like books. (laughs) What? And has multiple references. Let's see how many references Aces had. Quite a few. 23. Okay. All fully notated in like... Well, it's, uh, it's what he enjoys doing, apparently. What they enjoy doing, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, from university days. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. That's... I, just like to think... Okay, so it's mostly buried underground, right? Yes. So, like today, the ruins are... Like how much of ancient history is buried... The answer oh, is a I lot. Mean, That's why yeah, they're archaeologists. Plenty, yeah. But it, it's just... That's why they're also geologists, too. I mean, Yeah, or, I mean, and all sorts of uh, people who work with Paleontologists. These yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's many fields dedicated to what's buried in the earth. Yeah. And especially, <laughs> like, when they mentioned the um, that they quarried the building, like, and were mm-hmm. t- t- or the structure, and were t- taking some of the materials, like, to use... There have been multiple periods of history where people didn't care about, like, preservation. No. They were just, like, uh-uh. practically thinking, yeah. hey, well, we can repurpose like, well, this. We, we're we're going to need this stone for something else. So. Early recycling. Yeah. <laughs> so that is wild. And I had I have never even heard of the Circus Maximus, let alone all this that happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, fucking, it's fucking crazy what... Like, how modern of a society the Romans had going 2,000 years ago. Yeah, uh-huh, in a lot of ways. I mean, not right. in not in every way, but for the most part. Like, I could be completely making this up, but didn't they, like, invent aquifers or something? Aqueducts. Or? Aqueducts, that's mm-hmm. it. Yes, I believe it was either, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was them. So, like, public waterworks, mm-hmm. basically, right? And, like, Just uh... Running water. And sewage systems mm-hmm. and things like that, mm-hmm. yeah infrastructure mm-hmm. they really were like creating and inf- unfortunately not always yeah. successful yeah. infrastructure sometimes they let it burn to the ground <laughs> or it would or collapse just, or, yeah, or just didn't build it right in the first place yeah but yeah it's uh yeah i definitely want to go to italy one mm-hmm. day specifically to go to rome yes I, i'm with you that would be just i i think we i feel like we've mentioned this before but just being in the united states which our history, as far as colonialism, doesn't go back that far. Well, there's just just in North America in general. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton. It doesn't come close to like Africa or Europe or Asia. No, you have to go to like the history. Mayan ruins yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I mean, South America has a lot of that stuff. Yes. Machu I think, Picchu. I still I want to go of, to Machu Picchu one day. And I think some of like Mexico and Central America, yes. but like. The the land that is now known as Canada, the United States, mm-hmm. not a whole lot, not a whole lot to, to reach back on. No, no, uh, because uh, things structures built by indigenous peoples were just absolutely destroyed. Oh no, they they took them down <laughs> because the, they wanted to make it easier for the European white settlers to come. Yeah, that's in actual textbooks. I'm not bullshitting. I'm, about oh, that. I'm. I know you aren't. I know you aren't. What what kids are taught? Yeah. It about it, it is terrible. But um, so then the structures that do remain are 
colonial period and sure. and beyond. So that's like 1600s or better. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, what could possibly be the oldest building in America? That's a good question. I mean, I, I won't ask Siri. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. It would have to be a church, I would guess. Or a town hall or something. Something like that, yeah. I would guess in New England. Yeah. That would be my guess. Or, mm-hmm. well, the oldest, isn't the oldest city in America St. Petersburg, Florida? Is it? I think so. I don't know. It's, <laughs> at this point, we're just Plymouth Rock? Oh, that's not a city. It was a rock. <laughs> it's just a rock. <laughs> just a stupid fucking rock. <laughs> well, I know that, like, when we've, um visited like old winston-salem well like like jamestown is very old, old. jamestown virginia mm-hmm. yeah when we visited old salem and we see all those buildings that are like a couple hundred years old we're mm-hmm. like blown away because in america that's really that's old. really old yeah that's really old yeah. yeah um if someone owns a home that was built like in pre-1940s that's like geez that's an old house mm-hmm so yeah, we we're we're not very good at like uh, plus anything the, seems old to us. <laughs> plus, like, did you notice like when we were in Winston Salem or in Old Salem, mm-hmm. as they call it, just how narrow everything yes, was? Yes, yes. Like the doorways, very <laughs> yeah. narrow. The stairways, very narrow. Everything. Like when yeah. we went into that bakery mm-hmm. that they were baking in the old wood yes. ovens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, Which was so fucking good. That bread. Oh my god, that was. That was good. really cool. That yes. was really cool to see. And they were still baking it the way they baked mm-hmm. it, like how many years ago? Um, the Moravian community, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of preserved that history in that area. But you're right, yeah. I remember going upstairs and that like, like, <laughs> like barely in your room. It's like, I guess everybody was thin 200 years ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, they, I guess they were because yeah, lot lots of people were starving 200 true, years ago. That's true. You know, I'm actually really glad. So we were there in December. We were there, yeah, that's right. Like a, a little before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we got to go there. Yeah, that was kind of our last not nearby staycation yeah. sort of thing a little bit farther out before covid so mm-hmm. um i'm glad we got to do that because no one's fitting into those little places right now no, no that is <laughs> so, for sure wow well thank you aces that was yes, that was fantastic that was beautifully researched of course um every time our listeners submit research i'm like Wow, it's like you guys are educated and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go. Well done. I homeschooled myself. (laughs) That is my writing experience. went to traditional school. I just really didn't pay attention because I didn't really care all that much. Anyway. (laughs) Tis tis a very common thing (laughs) for such an age. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like... I I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't interested in learning back then. I don't know. Or we just didn't have the... Because now, I mean, ever since the internet, I'm like, oh, I want to learn about this. Yeah. And you just go and learn it. Yep. Like, it's not like it was assigned to you, you know? I think when, you, I think when you're young, you just don't have a sense of the scope of history. Oh, of course not. And, and so it's... Because you yourself don't have any history. Right. Like, if you're 14 years old, 10 years ago was forever ago. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, there's no, you know... Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think... I think it takes a while to develop a sense, and I'm not saying all kids do this, but this was sure my experience. It takes a while to develop a sense outside of yourself. Sure. You know? And not everybody comes to that realization either. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, enough about us and North America and and uh, 
other things. <laughs> Romans and... Friends, Romans, countrymen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here is a cheers to the Roman Empire. <laughs> Mine, mine's empty. Mine's not. <laughs> Get one last sip of it. So, um, thank you very much once again to... Aces. Aces. Aces, California. That's I remember right. the California part. Yeah, because it's a cool name. Yes, Aces, California. So that was... Californian. <laughs> so that was the Circus Max- Maximus Collapse. Yes. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.